up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeover with your girl, Shay McCray, here on Fubu Radio. And as always, y'all know what day it is. We are inside the room with my brother, State Representative Brandon McGee. What's going on, B? What's going on, Shay? As always, thank you for joining Inside the Room with myself, State Representative Brandon McGee, where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. I am so glad to be back inside this room one more week. Uh, to share with you some good information. Man, do we have an interview lined up for you all today. Yes, um, you're the GOAT. You're the real GOAT for this one. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. I mean, our guest, uh, U.S. Senator Chris Murphy, uh, is a really, really good friend of mine. Uh, I got to figure out how to get him to get um, Marsha Fudge, his former oh, colleague. Yes, He's yes, now yes, the U.S. Secretary of Housing. I'm yes. trying to get her on, but we'll we'll figure that out. But anyway, yes. um, today's discussion uh, will be uh, on a couple things, uh, but primarily on the work of Senator Chris Murphy, what he's doing, uh, the motives behind the January 6th uh, attack on our U.S. Capitol and our leaders. Uh, and he's also going to talk about a few policies uh, that he's working on. So mm -hmm. I am just excited about that. But before we get into all of that shit, let's talk a little bit about what's been happening. I know a lot of stuff. Been, a lot of stuff been happening. First, Can I want to congratulate my sister. Who? Okay. Rihanna. Rihanna. Yes. Yes. Fenty. 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 <laughs> You know, Listen. the amazing thing to me is the fact is, is that her music, first of all, she is the first um, uh, female musician billionaire, okay? Um, so she's under Oprah, first and second entertainer, okay? But her and, that, music, and, and, and let me just add, that's 1.7 billion with a B. Anyway, keep going. Yes. Um, not only that, her music is not what got her there. Did you know no, that? I knew that. Yes. Yes. So the thing about it is that when you get into these lanes, like I have major platforms with like this, you got to utilize it to open you up to other things. So what she did, she took the platform of music and utilized it for to becoming a cover girl. Then she launched her own Fenty wear, Fenty makeup and so forth. And these are some of the things that contribute to becoming a billionaire. So I am super excited for her. I and just I started using hold on because I, I use her oh you got makeup. it yes <laughs> shout out shout out to Fenty beauty it's like wow. the best coverage ever you would not be able to relate to that but it is the best coverage ever so i love it wow i wish um y'all listening to this because i believe that shay mccray of the takeover show and co-host of Inside the Room could serve as an amazing model for Fenty Beauty. Yes. I'm just saying. One, I'm just saying. And one of the things when she launched the lingerie wear, did she you see? She has that too? Yes. She has Fenty wear. Um, and I'm not sure if you saw the fashion show, but go check it out. It's on Netflix and so forth. And she talked about, I mean, it was models from with all shapes and sizes that and different, just even models, beautiful people that were, um, um, she even honored handicapped women um, in a wheelchair. And they, I mean, it was just an amazing thing. She changed the idea or the image of what America has or what a model should look like. And that's what so, I love about her. Along those lines, I think Robin, I meant Rihanna. Robin is her name. 
Um, but Robin Fenty, known to the world as Rihanna, um, y'all, she launched this back in 2017. Y'all do yep. the math. Yep. Um, I know she didn't wake up overnight and just started working on this, uh, but she took some time. But when I tell you this thing has popped off and now worth $1.7 billion, uh, she, from what, I, what I've read, um, based on Forbes, uh, is that an estimated 1.4 billion with a B comes from the value of Fenty Beauty, of which yep. Forbes Forbes can now confirm she owns 50% of. That's absolutely amazing, you know. So while we celebrate Oprah Winfrey and Beyonce, and you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in there two other names, Shay McCray and yep. Tabitha uh, Brown. <laughs> like, you know, the seasoning lady and the hair products yes. and all that. Yeah, like, yeah. You all are doing absolutely amazing. And I just, I salute, I salute Miss Robin Fenty. I, I, yes, I, I, salute, I salute her. her. She's, yes, and she's just being her and everyone knows she smoked weed and just, just to be her. <laughs> Like, it's just Ain't like, wrong no, with seriously, it. there's nothing thing. wrong with it. That's what I love about it. But before we move further, did you see my article in the Source magazine? I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Gotta, you. So tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> tell us a little about, about that. What's going on with that? Oh, what I, I recently, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I launched in Hip Hop Weekly magazine. And what it is, is that they just did a, like the little coverage on me talking about my career and how um, I am moving forward in the radio industry. Not only, once again, my, my goal was not to do radio. So once again, here we are talking about a female with different um, goals, because obviously we know Rihanna, one you know, her thing was to be a singer. She is a singer, a phenomenal singer and an artist, but makeup is what I got to do. So me wanting to be an actress, which I am, I start acting classes next week, but um, radio is what got me there. So the recognition wow. that I have is because of radio. This is wow. something I was, I didn't dream of. I don't think I ever told you this. It was just something that someone told me I could do. Wow. And I said, whatever, okay, I'm gonna try it. And here I am. And it's like one of the things, the compliments that I get all the time is that they love my vibe and two, mm -hmm. how we welcoming I am of any guests. That's whether right. That's right. Because <laughs> you know, we, we bring them all on our show. Yes. Uh, yes. And, I, and I know you have other shows as well. So I can agree with them on, yes. on you making it very comfortable for people to kind of speak their truth. Um, yes, and, that's it. <laughs> and have and whether whether you agree or disagree, you still allow space. So that's amazing. Yes, because yes. I'm now, providing a platform. That's what I love to do. He said, "Speak your truth." That's all I want you to do. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Now I know. Um, last week we we talked a little bit about. Um, and thank you so much, Joelle Murchison, if you're listening. Thank you so much for your interview last week. Um, yes. I have had so many people, especially women of color, to inbox me, uh, to send me emails, thanking us uh, for hosting that that topic uh, and hosting you, Joelle. Um, and we've got to yes. bring you back. We've got to bring you back. But we also ended off on the baby's misinformed HIV comments. Um, and, you know, the baby offered another apology on Monday of uh, last week, if I'm not mistaken, while facing heavy backlash 
um, after he made crude and homophobic remarks at a recent Miami area music festival. Uh, we also know that since then, um, the baby has been removed from too many shows that I can mention or even count. Um, and this has really caused a, a major debate, right? Shay, you brought up last week, okay, so what happened when we were talking about killing people or the misogyny with women of color, uh, you know, calling them names and selling their bodies uh, for more money and just talking about the culture. And here you have someone making these comments about people and all of a sudden there is major backlash. Um, we can debate it and we can debate it, we can debate it, but at the end of the day, um, I'm here for it all. And I am very interested to hear uh, to continue hearing what people have to say about um, this particular situation. But have you heard anything else on this? Yes, I have. Um, there is a Oh, open Lord. Oh, yeah, I did read that. <laughs> I read that. Go ahead. Yes, there is an open letter that was presented by the uh, LGBT community um, and age um, org, org. And they are asking the baby for a meeting for, for education of, of, of everything. They want to educate him with everything. And I, 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 I'm not opposed to that because I do believe that there is a lack of education in reference to everything. I believe I, let me, let me make this clear. They offer opportunity for private educational meaning with the baby because they, I think what it is is that his thoughts of anybody with HIV or AIDS is a home is a homosexual or someone that or everyone that's homosexual has HIV or AIDS. So it's like that's not the case. So um, I do know that he apologized, but he's also being dropped from everything left and right, which is crazy to me. Um, I don't think he's going to regain everything at this moment. I do think he's going to have to put in some work, maybe some. Um, maybe he might have to volunteer for free. <laughs> um, do some free LGBTQ community um, a concerts or something just to regain. But I guess the biggest issue now is that we're okay if we're screaming gun violence and shooting everyone. But if we're talking about another community, we're immediately canceled. And mm. I guess that's been the big controversy that's been going up right now. Mm. What is your thoughts about this? You know, I'd, I'd have to align my thoughts with um, a previous speaker, Joelle, when she said, you know, it's consumer power, right? And at the end of the day, wherever that win goes, um, and I'm paraphrasing, that's usually where our consumers are. Um, now, we are also, though, in a, in a, in a period of time uh, where people are a bit more knowledgeable on their rights um, and understanding um, their rights. They're not going to mm -hmm. just take any old kind of whatever, right? And, and coming off the hills of George Floyd, this has been an opportunity for so many, whether it's the LGBTQ plus community uh, or heterosexuals or Black Lives Matter, whatever affinity group you identify with, um, have been able to say, you will respect me. Um, yes. but I think I think for me, though, it is important as a Black man, 
a black man who's a father and uh, a husband to a black woman. Um, I have I have a responsibility to ensure that I utilize my platform in a way that's not going to degrade and put people down, especially black women. Uh, and so I don't know if it was Charlemagne on the Bre Breakfast Club or whoever said it, but they were like, now I see why Beyonce don't talk. Good point. I brought that up to someone too. I <laughs> that's, said, just, that's just an example ever... of one of many that don't say nothing. <laughs> yes, that, that that's good um, because she don't do press. Mm -mm. Um, it's because it's like the minute you shoot your opinion out there and us even being on radio hosts and on this platform, we have to be very careful what we say and how we express how we feel about it because once again, they can cancel football, you know? Yes, so, yes, yes. And I'm not know. saying, and I'm not saying um, I support this idea of taking away freedom of speech um, or, you know, there's a, there's a portion of what you and I do, Shay, whether we mm -hmm. agree with it or not, it's journalism and making sure we're looking up the information, educating ourselves on it. Uh, likewise, asking the right questions when people come onto our show. And so yes. it should not handicap us in the way we're unable um, to ask those questions or to make uncomfortable comments. But I just think it shouldn't be loosely done in a way where it's offensive uh, to people. And I think that's what happened. And a simple, yeah. I apologize. I was moving in ignorance. Please educate me. I'm certain that this wouldn't have gone down. Well, he definitely brought that up. He did say that in his apology that um, I guess lack of education can lead to certain things. I get it. But... I think the bigger issue is he that he's say, not what, he didn't say it like that. He was he, like, that's that's how I took it. That's how I took it. <laughs> I think the bigger issue is the fact that he said, if you're not out and doing things, sexual things in the car, I don't want to say it. Um, put your flashlights up, but he's not willing to take that part back. Exactly. Exactly. That's the and bigger there, issue. And there lies the problem. And there's like the problem. So yep. I don't know. Look, let's take a quick break. <laughs> we come back. Um, I know you want to touch on uh, Governor the, uh, Cuomo. The, yes, Cuomo and the Blacks in the Olympics. All right. So you guys yes. keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. It's the takeover. Welcome back to The Takeover with your girl, Shay McRae, as we are inside the room with State Representative Brandon McGee. Brandon, I noticed during the talk earlier, first break, you sound a little congested there. Aren't you vaccinated? No. Uh. <laughs> sorry, first of sorry. all, first of all, um, yes, I am vaccinated and no, I am not sick. I've taken my probably 100th COVID test and it came back negative uh, and I'm good. But okay. every year I have this nasal thing, Majiggy, change of weather. So, um, okay. well, we yeah. was wondering because I'm not going to lie, it seemed as though when COVID hit, sinuses problems went away. So it was like, is that still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because nobody went outside. <laughs> so well, I'm happy it's still a thing. That's all I need to know. Shay, before we move on, can I just read um, a post that Van Lathan 
um, he posted and, and basically said, and I'm reading verbatim, he says, and this is in response to the whole the baby comment and all that. He yeah. says, here's the, here's the hard truth. The festival doesn't have a soul. It's a corporate entity. That means it's cool with whatever the consumer is cool with. If we're all singing along the songs about misogyny, murder and malice, then they figure it's cool to put it on stage. But when a community has standards about how they'll be spoken to or about, like the LGBTQ plus community obviously does, then the festival or corporate entity listens. He goes on to say it affects their ability to book other artists down the line and makes them vulnerable to boycotts, etc. If we wanted festivals to not book artists uh, that profited in the Black death, we'd have to set a community standard on what we accept. We won't because by the large, by and large, he says, we look like and understand the music. They will do what we do. Also, stop backflipping to excuse bad behavior. It's just stunt growth. <laughs> I'm loving. Actually, it. I, actually, I read that wrong. It's it just stunts growth, um, and I am just glad that he put that out um, because here, here, as they would say at the bar. <laughs> I love it, Brandon. That's the only thing what I was preaching. You know, it's like what what's good for the gander should be good for the goose, and that's just how I feel. You know, and and I don't see it that way. Anyway. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I do wish um, Governor um, Kumo was my governor here in Georgia, but <laughs> Governor Cuomo. Oh my God! I mean, the same person who's urged um, to resign after probe finds he harassed eleven women. Yeah. Listen, I think there's a stunt to every situation. I don't know the facts. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us the facts? How about that? Listen, <laughs> this is an ongoing saga with Governor Cuomo, our superstar who rose to the occasion during the pandemic. He yes, was he one did. of the leading, the leading governors to help set the tone on how to respond uh, to communities of color, communities at large. Um, now, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, has faced mounting pressures um, as of Tuesday to resign, um, including from President Joe Biden and other one-time Democratic allies. Um, after an investigation found he sexually harassed near, nearly a dozen women uh, and worked to retaliate against one of his accusers. Now, while all of this uh, is very much, these are all allegations, um, people are still uh, stepping out and, and echoing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and New York's U.S. Senators Chuck Schumer and Kristen uh, Gillibrand, all Democrats. I think he should resign, uh, Biden told reporters. Uh, so this is getting very, very interesting. Um, I am going to continue to follow uh, the development of this, um, but it's very interesting. It's a very Do you think he's going to resign? Do you think he's no. going to resign? I don't think so either. I'm going to be honest with you. Hardcore New Yorker, not doing it. Um, honestly, personality and as hardcore as 
our former president. I'm gonna be real with you. It's just the, it's just the blood you get from New York. That's it. Especially um, coming. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm no, <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. But you know, it really does. It's, it's, it's bad behavior. Um, and again, these are all allegations. So I don't know um, whether it's, it's all true or not. But my mom always said there are three sides to the story. Yours, <laughs> theirs, yes. and the truth. And the truth. <laughs> so, you know, there, uh, folks like, um, I forget her name, but she really kicked off um, the Me Too movement. I think it's uh, Tarana Burke. Um, you know, she, I, I, is that I really, who kicked off the movement? Yeah, she kicked off the Me Too movement. And wow. You know, this sister has really been speaking truth to power and making sure she's providing safe spaces um, for survivors, sexually mm. assaulted survivors. And it's not just women, um, it's also men as well. Uh, and I don't know. I know it's one of the continue. things, men don't step up. I noticed that a lot men don't. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's why for some reason I tend to believe men more not that I have anything against women because I'm all here for the power of male women and, and, you know, and, you know, for victims in that sense. But um, it just seems like a trend when it comes to women. Mm -hmm. And forgive me for those who feel like I'm wrong, but not, I feel like, I'll say 95% could be true. Yeah. You get your small percentage that kind of just looking for a steroid and looking for some payment. That's it. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think in moments like these, it's just extremely important to allow these victims, these um, survivors, uh, an opportunity to share their story. Uh, and there are eleven women whose stories were corroborated, who experienced. I, I'm, I'm assuming harassment at the hands of, of New York's governor. Uh, and um, I just think they need to continue to investigate. I do know that the attorney general's office, um, attorney's general office um, came out and had a press conference and said a lot. So there must be some validity uh, to what's happening. And yeah, what concerns me is that are these people not watching the media? It's like leaving your kid in the car and you going to jail. No, I'm serious. Like, are you not seeing that people are going to jail for leaving your kid in the car? Why would you turn around and leave your kid in the car? You get what I'm Wait, saying? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. It's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, for real. So um, this is interesting. I'm just, I'm excited or I'm, I'm definitely one to see what happens from here. And if he don't resign, I definitely believe that they're going to force him out. In what way? I mean, I don't understand. Like force him out, force him out to do what? I mean, he's literally been serving as uh, the governor of that state for, for quite some time. Uh, so I think um, he's got a little ways to go. But but Shay, th th there was something else that I really, I really wanted to to talk about just a little before we get into our interview uh, with Chris Murphy, and I'm just so excited that he was able to stop by inside the room uh, with us on today uh, to to weigh in on some really really important uh, 
topics uh, is that I wanted to really acknowledge um, all of our Black uh, females uh, in the Olympics. Um, it has, it's been so amazing to witness so many Black females being the first uh, in the Olympics. Um, and it is just absolutely amazing to see how uh, they've been able to overcome uh, so many obstacles. And um, I told Shay early on uh, during our prep uh, that I refuse to say the names of many of our Olympians um, because <laughs> I don't do a great job saying their names. Um, but Tamara Mincha uh, Stock, uh, she became the first U.S. Black woman to win the wrestling gold. Um, there was our girl, uh, Simone Biles, uh, who, you know, had a rough start, had to step away for a little while. Um, but Simone, you know, basically came out on top, y'all, when she returned yes, um, she after did. a short getaway. Uh, yes, she and did. so I am just so very, very excited about it. I do, though, um, want to hear a little bit more about our girl. I think it's Shakira. Is that her name? Um, or Shakira, the young girl yes. who was ousted because they were like, she's smoking enhancements, weed and you know, this is against policy. Uh, but I love to, to hear a little bit more about her. But Shay, um, I just wanted to, you know, mention that we need to celebrate our all of our Olympians that represented the U.S., uh, but especially uh, our Black females. Absolutely amazing. And Jamaica also won yes. something. Um, I always do this. I have like random thoughts that are not always on the script. Um, but I do want to give kudos to the top 10 Jamaican track and fill stars. Uh, and it's absolutely amazing. I mean, all of the, the Jamaican folks that I know, they were basically flooding our timelines um, with just celebrating Elaine, um, Shelly Ann, uh, Asafa, who else? Johan, um, Dion, Veronica. Like these are all Jamaicans who have done an absolute phenomenal job um, in the Olympics. And that was dating back to, I want to say 2012, 2004 with Merlene. I mean, there's so many, there's so many um, Jamaicans, but this, this most recent one was something uh, that really made Jamaicans proud. So yeah. yeah, I'm here for I, I think everyone has had their um their share, but I will say this China is definitely um taking over again. So we gotta get back up in there. We gotta get back up in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shay, I, I'm excited about the interview that's coming up. And yes. um I just hope folks will invite their friends and family. Uh go get your afternoon coffee, do whatever you need to do, but I think it's important information. Uh, that you uh, would want to hear. Yes, it is. Because I'm like, honestly, I'm like nervous for this interview. I'm going to be real with you, but um, we appreciate you to have guys. a U.S. senator, <laughs> have a senator in the room. Uh, yeah. I know, like, and he's in D.C. right now. So um, you guys keep it locked. Um, don't go anywhere. Um, the interview 
um, with um, branding, or sorry, excuse me, state representative Brandon McGee <laughs> and myself, Shay McRae, as we are inside the room today with Senator Chris Senator Murphy. Murphy. Yes, thank you so much. So you guys keep it locked, don't go nowhere. What's up, everyone? Welcome to The Takeover with your girl, Shay McRae, here on FUBU Radio. And as always, you already know, we're always ready for Inside the Room with State Representative Brandon McGee. How you doing, Mr. McGee? Hey, what's going on? Another week, another opportunity for us to all join Inside the Room with myself, myself State Representative Brandon McGee, where we discuss leadership, uh, politics and culture, and I've always said jokingly, but it'd be true. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of gossip, uh, but today, um, as we've always gathered people from all walks of life um, to step inside the room to gain a perspective on how we can educate and uplift our communities, uh, I have my dear friend, uh, Senator Chris Murphy, United States Senator. Uh, who's dedicated his career to public service as an advocate for Connecticut families. Uh, Senator Murphy, um, and I know he doesn't mind me calling him Chris. Chris has been a strong voice uh, in the Senate, uh, fighting for job creation, affordable health care, education, sensible gun laws, forward-looking foreign policy, just to name a few of what he's been doing. Additionally, Senator Murphy, uh, he's worked in partnership with local and city town leaders to help rehabilitate former brownfields and, and factory sites uh, so that they could be developed into new community spaces and businesses. Um, and Murphy, Chris Allwood also authored, and he can talk a little bit more about this, but he authored the Frank Melville Supportive Housing Investment Act uh, to revitalize housing programs for people with disabilities. And Shay, you've heard me talk about housing and the importance of it as the chair of Connecticut's Housing Committee. Uh, I was so honored uh, to see uh, the president sign that into law uh, back in 2010. So at this point, I'd love to welcome uh, Senator Chris Murphy to Inside the Room with myself and uh, also with Shay McRae, host of The Takeover here on FUBU Radio. So let's welcome Chris Murphy uh, to our show. Chris, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for having me, uh, Brandon. I'm so excited to get the invite to be uh, in the room. Shay, thanks for um, being a part of this. Um, Brandon, let me just sort of throw uh, you know the compliments back at you. You and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, I've relied on you for you know, all sorts of advice, um, you know, not just to, how to approach issues that matter to, to Hartford, but so much of the work that we've done together on housing issues, on educational equity, um, and on trying to get through this pandemic and make sure that the resources are spread out to all the folks that need them. So I, I just, I've really relied on you for a long time and excited to be in a conversation with you. We're not in the, we're not in the actual room together uh, here because I'm down in Washington moving the uh, Biden agenda through this week, but uh, eager to talk a little bit about how that matters to us back in Connecticut. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So I, um, you know, back in January, um, Chris, you know, I sent you a text message uh, just to check on you. 
you know, we had the attack on our capital, the nation's yes, capital. Yes, yes. Uh, and Shay and I, we, we had many guests on our show and, and we talked about the impact it's had. We also talked about had they been black, uh, many of these folks would have been killed or in jail as of today. Um, so Chris, uh, the House Select Committee established to uh, investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Um, and they held their first public hearing, I believe, back in July. Um, and I believe it was like a, like the 9-11 Commission, um, the Select Committee is investigating how uh, our nation's defenses failed and how uh, we can prevent similar attacks uh, from occurring again. Uh, could you just kind of unpack that? I mean, you've been on all national uh, syndicated radio stations, CNN, you name it, leading the conversation on this. And I'd love, just for our, our, our listeners and our viewers, what are your thoughts on this? And why is it taking so long to investigate? Uh, and there, there's this question, you know, should we continue investigating? Why are we going through this? What, what, what are your thoughts? So um, I, I was obviously here that day. I was wow. evacuated, yeah, evacuated from the Senate chamber, you know, with these thugs pounding on the doors of the Senate chamber. It was, you know, just a few minutes difference between what could have been an absolutely horrific scene uh, in the Senate uh, and all of us getting to uh, getting to safety. Um, make no mistake, these these folks were out for blood. Um, you know, they had a they 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 came with a scaffolding so that they could hang the vice president if they found him. They were prepped for violence, um, wow. and 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 it's a miracle that there weren't more people dead at the end of that day. Um, so yeah, of course we need a full accounting of, of this. We need to understand, you know, a why it happened and i don't think there's a great history about that um the president of the united states and a bunch of his allies created this impression that a mob could keep donald trump in power he summoned them all to washington he sent them to the capitol it wasn't just a coincidence that no that exact moment when we were counting the electoral ballots he sent us he sent that mob to the capitol to stop that count uh and they came very very close so we need to have accountability um, we need to talk about why our defenses did fail us, right? Why wasn't there? Why do we spend? Why do we spend four hundred billion dollars on the military every year? If our taxpayer money, right? If the military can't actually defend the capital, um, mm -hmm. that's a big question to ask. And then the question you started with: um, We know that if those presidents were black, they would be treated differently because just months before, there was a Black Lives Matter protest scheduled That's for the right. Capitol, and the building was ringed ahead of time by mm -hmm. heavily armed military members, soldiers. Uh, none of those folks were there when the almost exclusively white crowd came to the Capitol. And to this day, you still see my colleagues excusing it, right, in a way that they would never excuse that behavior if they weren't all white Republicans. But now they say, oh, no, these guys were just tourists. They didn't really engage in violent behavior. That's not true. So we Senator need to Murphy. correct the record and, and address this double standard. Senator Murphy, answer this answer this for me. And Shay, you feel free to jump in because um, I know we probably need to go on a break really quickly. But do you feel, Senator, um, it is necessary to call on number 45, uh, former President Donald Trump, 
to answering questions about his role in this attack? I mean, I know we've been teetering around. Some people have asked a question directly, um, but but what what from your perspective, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, listen, I, I, I do think we should hear directly from the president. We tried to get him to testify on the impeachment, uh, right? We tried to impeach him over this incident. Um, I'd like to hear from others in the White House. I mean, if there's anybody in the White House, and I know these people exist, that stood in the way of defending the Capitol or cheered it on, they should have their reputations ruined forever and they should be exposed in front of the American people. So yeah, I would love to not just see the president testify, but you know, high level members of the administration come and explain what were you doing, right? Why did it take four hours um, for the National Guard to get to the Capitol? Why was Donald Trump tweeting in the middle of the attack that Mike Pence needed to be targeted for you know his disloyalty? You know, um, I, I, I want to say this, that it, it was a very scary th thing. In fact, all of us were like nervous. Um, our feelings was hurt because of allowing something like this to even get that close to the White House. And then when they assassinated the Haitian president, it became more of a nervous thing for us because it was like, all right, now is, there, is this what we're doing now? With that being said, I know there's been a lot of talks in, um, about the the past president trump running again do you think he would run again for president well that was a big part of the reason why we felt we needed to go forward with impeachment because if you're yep. impeached, you're disqualified you're disqualified disqualified yes we thought listen if you're trying to overthrow the government as donald trump was trying to do yes he should be disqualified from running for office ever again yes we weren't successful so he's legally allowed to run there's all sorts of news that he's continuing to run a huge multi-million dollar political operation. Um, now, as much as I think he would lose and probably lose badly, um, I do desperately don't want him to run because it's not all about winning and losing. Just having him be elevated once again, again to yeah. a point where we have to worry about him on a daily basis would be so toxic for our politics. I just want him to disappear. I want him to disappear. Um, <laughs> even if he's a beatable candidate, you know, in 2024. What are the, how strongly do you believe that he's going to be impeached? What are the the allegations? Are they holding or, you know, what are your thoughts around that? Well, you know, I, we tried to, we went through with an impeachment after the insurrection and, and it failed in the Senate. But I will say this, there were, I think, six Republicans that voted for impeachment. It was, you know, a bipartisan impeachment vote, but because you need two thirds two of the thirds. in order to impeach, we got a majority of the Senate that voted to impeach, but not two thirds. And I do think that that, 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 that majority vote with a bunch of Republicans voting to repudiate their own party's president, that still was a meaningful condemnation of him. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, you talked about us getting through COVID, so we're going to take a quick break. I, I want to lead into that when we come back, okay? Awesome. Um, you, <laughs> you guys keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. We are inside the room with State, State Representative Brandon McGee. Welcome back to The Takeover with your girl, Shay McCray. And as always, we are inside the room with State Representative Brandon McGee. And he brought his friend with him. <laughs> and this is an amazing conversation. I love, love, love the fact that, um, Mr. Murphy, that you are being so open with us because we do have a lot of questions. We do have a lot of concerns, you know. I think we may have... Uh... <laughs> 
lost uh, Shay. Shay, um, do you believe that he would run again? My concern is that there were so many people that was um, rooting for him, even some of my friends. And it's like, are they really, really gonna like put him back into office? You know, so that's where that's where the question, and that's why I asked that because it's so many people that went that way. This particular election, it, it just threw me off. I'm not gonna lie. But but Jay, let me say, like, we gotta admit that like Donald Trump did speak to a big portion of the electorate. Why? Because he sounded like somebody who was gonna take on the status quo, right? He yep. sounded like a guy who was gonna blow the whole thing up. And he didn't, he ended up just giving a bunch of tax breaks to wealthy people, but it speaks to the fact that people are like, they're not in it if you're just gonna keep things going like they're going, right? Yeah. Like their lives are unsustainable, right? Yeah. They can't make ends meet. So they are looking for leaders who are saying, we're taking power away from the billionaires, the corporations, the millionaires, and we're giving it to you. That's um, right. And so that, you know, so you've got to learn as much as, you know, people like me hate Donald Trump. We also have to learn from, from Well, one of the one of the things that I think it's always important to repeat is that Donald Trump and alongside many of your colleagues who sit there uh, on the other side of the aisle, uh, they emboldened or were emboldened by Donald Trump and his his activity and his carelessness um, as a leader. Um, and it's just, it goes without saying, like these people only did what they thought uh, they could do. Uh, and, yeah. and and they got the head nod. Um, but Shay, I know you wanted to ask some questions about uh, COVID and, yes. then, and then we can kind of transition from there yes. while we have them, because the Senator is currently in DC. They're working on the infrastructure package. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, and the impacts it'll have on many of our states, uh, municipalities, et cetera. But jump in on the COVID piece. Yes. Yeah, so um, the question with COVID, I know we're trying to um, get herd um, immunity by vaccinating with everyone. And, and I understand that. But the fear is that a lot of people have not received the vaccination because for one, Delta variant, you can still get the, the the COVID virus with it. And then there's a new variant that just launched that it surpasses through the vaccination. So what state are we in? Or what are the next plans for um, the COVID-19? I do hear some talks about um, cities shutting down. Here it is. We have schools are back in session here in Georgia and they're not requiring wearing masks. It fears me if I had a child going to school, I'm not going to lie. What are what are the next steps that we are taking or looking to take to, to fight this nasty disease? Well, I think the most important thing is to get the sort of real story out there about the vaccine, right? If you don't have it, you have no protection against yes. the Delta variant. If you yes. have it, you have 90 to 95% protection against getting it at all. So that means some people are going to get it, but right now, you know, it's like 1% of cases, um, maybe a little bit more, are people who are vaccinated, depending on how many people are vaccinated in your neighborhood. But even if you do get it, you are not going to get seriously sick. Um, so you are just, you have to get vaccinated because you dramatically lower your chances of getting it. And if you do get it, um, you basically, basically are guaranteed not to die from it in the way that you will if you don't have the vaccination. And what we don't know, Shay, right now is what are the long-term effects of COVID? We have all this evidence right now, really scary evidence, that once you get it, it can do damage to your body that stays with you for the rest of your life. So I have a neighbor 
who was super healthy, a runner. She got it, not a terribly bad case of it. This was a year ago. She still hasn't run because her lungs have been scarred in a way that doesn't allow her to exercise any longer. Um, and you hear this, I got a colleague from uh, Virginia, another Senator who got it and who's had um, his nervous system is all screwed up a year later. So just don't get it. Just and these folks, let me, not to get it. Let me ask you, were these folks your neighbor and your colleague? You don't have to say it about your colleague, but your neighbor, was she vaccinated or not? Um, no, so these are two people that got it before the vaccination was available. And I'm just making got it. That, that there's some people out there who say, well, I can still get it with the vaccine. Well, th th there's a small chance that you can That's get right. it. That's right. But, but it's very, very small. But the point is, there are other people who say, well, so if I get it, you know, if I get it, I get it. Um, you know, at least then I'll have some immunity. No, don't get it because we have no idea of the damage it can do to you. So yeah, still, we gotta get the right information out there about how important it is to get everybody vaccinated. And by the way, once you get to herd immunity, once you get 80% of Americans vaccinated, the virus has nowhere to go. So mm -hmm. it, so it, we are in control of whether the virus disappears. Uh, Chris, do you know offhand the um, amount of money allocated to the education of COVID, the importance of vaccine? I, I'm sure it's in the billions with the B uh, in terms of getting money out to states so that they can get it to the street. Do you, do you have that number on hand? Well, it really is is almost limitless, Brandon, because we've given um, uh, you know billions of dollars in flexible money to the states to use in any way they see fit, and so states are using those dollars uh, to do education campaigns. We've done about eight billion dollars specifically for vaccination programs, um, but we basically made the decision that instead of like earmarking all the money for states. In the in the bill we passed at the beginning of the year, the rescue plan, we just gave flexible money to states to use on any COVID expenses. And our belief is that states you know, are going to use that on education campaigns. Connecticut is doing that. Connecticut is using that money to That's do right. outreach. Yeah, all the stuff we're doing in Hartford is funded by that the bill. Yeah, and we we appreciate that, and I'm certain that uh, folks there in Atlanta, Georgia, where Shea is uh, located, um, they appreciate that. Uh, as well. I just want to switch gears and, and move into um, sort of uh, a piece of legislation, an act uh, that you, alongside Senators uh, Lee and Sanders, recently introduced the National Security Powers Act, uh, bipartisan legislation to overall overhaul, excuse me, Congress's role in national security. Like what, what's the purpose of it? Break that, break that down. Uh, yes, yeah. you know the most important duty that Congress has is to declare war, and we've been in a bunch of wars over the last few years, and a lot of, you know, our friends and and our friends' kids have gone off and fought in these wars, um, and um, some of these wars um, have been entered into by the President of the United States without coming to Congress and getting permission, getting authorization. The Constitution says you can't enter into a war as a president without permission from Congress because that means the entire public gets to have a say. They all That's get right. to talk to their congressmen about what their vote is going to be on going to war. So Bernie Sanders, myself, and Republican Mike Lee got together and we wrote a piece of legislation that makes it harder for the president to go to war, send our troops overseas without permission from the American people. We basically right. said, you can't, if, if the president starts a war somewhere, 
if he doesn't get permission within about 30 days from Congress, the funds are automatically cut off. Right now, it works the, the other way. If the president starts a war without Congress, the only way Congress can stop it is by passing a piece of legislation that then gets signed by the president to stop the president's war. As you can see, that probably isn't going to happen. So this is just, I think, a big deal because, you know, it, it, it ends up, you know, not being members of Congress that fight these wars. It's regular people and their children who get sent overseas to fight these wars. It's our taxpayer dollars that gets used to, to, to pay for these wars. I just think that we all, as Americans, should have more of a say. That's what the piece of legislation does. I, I so appreciate it. agree. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> responding in real time, Chris, um, yes. as we as a country, we experienced the attack. Uh, but now taking it a step further and saying, look, let's go to where the power is and let's change the game. Uh, and and that's something um, I appreciate so, so very much. Um, I guess along those lines, when you're talking about changing the game, Chris, um, I know that there was a lot of, of conversation on the filibuster, the power it has or may not. Um, really quickly, touch on that just a little bit and why it was such a big talk um, a few weeks ago and probably still is, uh, still is during, yeah. during your debates. Still is. Um, you know, filibuster basically means that in the Senate to pass any piece of legislation, you have to get 60 votes, which is 60% of the chamber. That's not normally how democracies work. Normally, you only have to get the majority. The history of the filibuster is a really disturbing one. It's been on the books for, you know, 100 years, but it really historically at the very beginning was used predominantly to stop civil rights legislation. It was used by Southern senators to stop um, bills from passing that would empower um, Black voters in the South. And, and so that's sort of where the, 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 the filibuster comes from. That's how it's been historically used, and that's exactly how it's being used today. So the most important piece of legislation that's being blocked by the filibuster right now is a new Voting Rights Act, uh, is legislation that will stop these crackdowns in voting from happening in places like Georgia um, and Texas. And we need to get rid of the filibuster. We need to stop giving the right to a very small minority of senators, most all white senators, um, mm -hmm. from being able to stand in the way of people having the right to vote. Um, we shouldn't have allowed Strom Thurmond and his crowd to get away with it back in the 1940s, <laughs> 1940s 60s, yeah. right? And we shouldn't let Mitch McConnell and his crowd get away with it in you know 2021. Wow, wow. Well, I think we should probably go ahead and, and take a quick break, Shay. Yeah, uh, yeah. We want to get we want to get one more set of questions in before the senator has to get out of here and, and go yes. to another meeting. But go ahead, Shay. Go ahead. Do you yes, think? yes. Um, listen, we need to take a break. When we come back, we have more from Senator Chris Murphy. Keep it locked. Welcome back to The Takeover with your girl, Shay McRae, here on FUBU Radio. And if you're just now tuning in, I am sitting here with State Representative Brandon McGee as we are inside the room with Senator Chris Murphy. And the conversations that we are having here is amazing. But first, I want to give Mr. Murphy his flowers, too. He just had a birthday. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, I, I, so, so, Shay, I was just talking before we started, I was talking to Brandon. Um, I forgot how old I was turning, and uh, and somebody and, and somebody told me I was turning 49, and I thought, man, like I'm, 
I'm close to 50. And then I realized I was turning 48, which is a big sigh of relief. So I'm- Wow. <laughs> but that still qualifies as young in the United States Senate. So the, yeah, average, it is. the average age here is well above uh, 48. And well, you know, that is be amazing. <laughs> before we started, Shay, you know, I gave him my happy belated birthday and I'm like, dude, you said what? How old? I really thought he was like 42, 43. Well, I thought um, he was younger too until you just said it. I was oh, like, oh, he's young. Keep it coming. Keep it, keep it coming. I, I think, I'll take more. Senator so, Murphy, really, really quickly, um, for, for years now, there's been um, widespread sort of agreement as to the need for major federal program to rebuild and upgrade our nation's um, dated infrastructure. Uh, and that's been the big hot topic around these streets, you know, talking about infrastructure, investment. Can you give us a little background on the infrastructure bill uh, that has been introduced and, and how would it build or how would you and others build consensus around the issue? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is such a win-win when you're um, investing in our roads and our rail lines, making improvements, because you're putting a lot of people to work in the short term, these construction jobs, and all the jobs surrounding the construction economy tend to be pretty good jobs. Um, you are um, also creating long-term economic growth because uh, as you're making it easier for people and goods to get more quickly from one place to the other, more companies want to locate in the United States. And then you're also just making people's lives easier, right? Less time stuck in traffic, less time on your you know, rail commute. That means more time with your family. Um, that means you get to get to more of your kids' you know, baseball games. So it's just a huge win. And, and I give a ton of credit to Joe Biden. Joe Biden came in and said, you know what? This should be bipartisan, meaning Republicans and Democrats should support it. Why hasn't it been? And so he made that a priority. He said, let's do it in a way that both parties can support. So right now, as we're speaking, um, Republicans and Democrats are coming to the final stages in the Senate of passing a $500 billion investment in infrastructure. We're going to build new rail lines. We're going to add lanes to the highways. We're going to build a, an electric grid that's going to be able to bring onto it more renewable energy. We're going to build um, uh, charging stations for electric vehicles all over the country. And we're doing it with Republicans and Democrats agreeing together, which I think is just good for the health of the nation. So we're almost there. Put a lot of people to work in the short run, fix a lot of problems with gridlock in the long run. Uh, and I'm I'm really, really excited about it. Awesome. You know, that's amazing. So hold on, hold on, V. <laughs> so we're not we're not using the funds for the wall. <laughs> so so the wall is not part of this infrastructure deal. So I guess technically the wall with Mexico is infrastructure, but it didn't turn out exactly like Donald Trump told us. He told us that Mexico was gonna pay for the whole thing. We ended up paying exactly. bill for the parts of it that got built. So uh, no, this is a different kind of infrastructure. You know, we talk about infrastructure a lot. And, you know, while I agree with the entire bill, I'm always concerned uh, that a lot of these resources never make its way to some of the poorest communities that have been under-resourced for so many years. So glad to I'm glad that you mentioned contractors. And I just want to add minority contractors to benefit from this as well. But how, I mean, this is not a question, Chris, that I think... Um, I know you can answer it, but I, it would be unfair. Uh, but I just want to, for the record, you know, these dollars that are coming down to the state uh, where I serve uh, and get to the municipality, we've got to see some change in some of these communities that 
have, you know, we built around, we built over, but we've not invested in. Uh, and, and that's a real issue. So Chris, I know, I know we got to get on out of here, but what, what else, what else are you, you working on? What should we be on the lookout? I know you wrote a book last year. Um, that's your second book, right? No, my first book, but it, you know, the book is about, um, you know, it's about, um, my work in and around gun violence. Um, and listen, I mean, you know, maybe it's the topic to end on, it's kind of a downer, but, um, you know, it's just absolutely tragic what has generally been happening in this country that Congress has been unwilling to deal with, but it has been obviously worse in the last year and a half. The gun violence rates are just off the charts. So, um, you know, what, what I talk about in my book is that as much as I work on the issue of gun uh, laws, um, that's only part of the solution, right? Um, America is a violent place because we're a racist place. Um, and you cannot disassociate the story of American violence from our, our racist history and present, but also because of the intense poverty that we allow to dominate communities in which way too many young people feel like they've got no way to express power um, other than through violence. And so as much, I wrote the book because I, a lot of people see me as you know, somebody who just talks about gun laws, but I wanted to make sure that we're telling the whole story that if you don't attack systemic racism, if you don't lift people up out of poverty, and if you don't change the gun laws in this country, you're not gonna reduce the rates of violence. So I'm still working at it. Um, I'm hopeful to get a, a vote later this year on, on some of these uh, issues and um, stay tuned. So, so here, here, here's, here's an upper for you. We'll end off on um, congratulating um, U.S. Uh, Representative uh, Bush, Corey, yeah. Anika Bush, who slept outside of, of the Capitol there uh, over the weekend uh, as the nation, basically we were facing uh, the deadline of the eviction moratorium. Uh, and we know that many folk, um, especially black and brown folk, have been uh, most or severely impacted uh, by the pandemic, ultimately impacting livelihoods, your job, et cetera. Uh, and Corey, she took it to the street, you know, and she was there. And um, alongside others, uh, um, OC uh, and um, other elected officials were there uh, to help support. Uh, and I believe the deadline was extended uh, yeah. throughout October 3rd. Um, so kudos to you, Congresswoman Cori Bush. We thank you so very much for your work. Chris, thank you for being um, inside the room today with myself and Shay. Um, and keep up the good fight, man. Uh, and we'll we'll hold yes. you to it. And hopefully you can come back and bring some more folks with you. Well, uh, Shay? Uh, yeah. well, well, thank you so much. I, I thank you uh, for being such a good friend, Brandon. Shay, thanks for giving this guy a, a, a platform and for, uh, and for letting me charge in today. So appreciate it, guys. Take Thank care. Thank you so much for just keeping it real. We appreciate it. You guys keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. It's the takeover.